What's up, y'all? How are we doing? Good to see you guys. Thank you so much. I love you back. Oh, my gosh. How are we doing, everybody? We doing good? We doing good? Feeling good? Y'all ready to be done with finals? Y'all ready to be done? Everyone's like, amen. Okay. Um, happy Mother's Day. Um, did, so I heard him say, but did y'all really take care of your moms? Y'all really took care of your moms? Y'all did good? My mom's here. Everyone say, hi, mom. <laughs> She's right there. She's really sweet. She decided to join us today on Mother's Day. So I'm really grateful that she is here. Um, I'm super excited to be here today um, just because I, I just love, I genuinely just love this ministry just so much. Um, I've been able to um, lead um, a group of guys since they were um, sixth graders and now they're 10th graders. Um, and I've been able to just watch them grow. And I've also like, I've been able to, um, I've been able to grow up in this, in this high school ministry and just like, I just have such a huge heart for just this ministry. And um, I'm just, I, I want you to know that like these years, you will not take for granted ever. Um, and I've told some of you that and like to just embrace your place, but I genuinely mean that like, don't ever like, man, just embrace this because you're, you're, you're gonna miss this, especially you seniors, bless it. But um, so real quick, um, before I get started, um, if I don't know you, if, if I know you a little bit, um, I consider all you like little brothers and sisters to me. That's how I've always viewed y'all. Um, I've had so many different powerful and good conversations with some of you. Um, if it's been to even Orlando, Orlando days, or um, if it's been for Nicaragua, if it's been at Rush Camp, like I've just, I know, I'm looking at so many faces that I've just had so many amazing moments with. So this is just, think of this just as a big, um, a talk from your big brother, okay? Because I've, I know what it's like to walk in your shoes. Oh my gosh, you too. I love you too so much. Um, Nick Rock Group forever. Um, and one, one thing I would like to encourage everybody, you'll do me a favor. If you will put your phones down the entire time, please. The reason why is because I totally understand um, you're wanting to take notes and you're wanting to like, you're wanting to read scripture and stuff like that. But I want to encourage you to just really just lean in and be present to what God wants to speak to you today. Um, if you need scripture, it'll be on the screen. If you have a physical Bible, awesome, great, you're good. But um, if you don't, just listen in and just hone it on for me. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are, God. Thank you, Lord, that because of your son, Lord, we are able to have a relationship with you. And thank you, Lord, that you have just, just brought us to this space, God. Thank you for just such a great year, God. Thank you for... Um, Thank you for just um, our small group leaders, God. Thank you for our coaches, um, ABL team, worship team, guest services team, security. Every single person that plays a role on this team to make this happen, God, does it faithfully and they do it well. God, thank you for them. God, I thank you for, thank you for Pastor Todd and I thank you for um, Lauren, God. And I thank you for their faithfulness, God. And I thank you that they're, that they're healthy leaders, God. Thank you that we have, um, thank you for Pastor Brian. Thank you that he uh, models what, it, what it's like to be a healthy pastor, God. Thank you that we have a healthy church and a healthy body, God. Lord, I pray that I will empty everything of myself, God. And I will just be filled with your spirit, Lord. God, um, I pray that these will be yours words and not mine, God. And I pray, Lord, that you'll, you'll just speak to us, God. Lord, we are here to meet with you and you alone, Lord, um, to be the glory and may your spirit just move, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been in a series called Different. So we've been, the past um, few weeks we've been talking about like, what is it like to be different as a follower of Jesus, you know? So two weeks ago we talked about um, how we don't need to bend to the, our knee to the gods of today. 
um, which is something that we can do through individualism. We can do through power and different things like that. Um, last week, um, our seniors did a great job talking about cancel culture, um, which is something that um, is very prevalent in our day and time. So today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different, okay? So we're going to be talking about um, authority and accountability. And so either two things. You're either like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, like, whatever. But, or the other half of it, it's like, ooh, I don't know if I really want to talk about that. Ooh, let's not do that. Um, but it's something that is very, very, like, important. And so um, to start with, like, what do you think about when you think about authority and accountability? Like, anybody? What, what do you think about when you think about, like, authority? Anybody? Hold on. Whoa. Power. Someone said something very specific. Parents. Parents. Okay. What else? Leader. What did you say? Band. I, oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that. So, right. Um, so there's like, there's parents, there's teachers, there's police officers, there's pastors, there's managers. Um, usually how this works is, so as an individual, um, you have that authority. There's someone who has authority and you are accountable to that authority, right? Um, so I looked in Webster and I looked up like, what is the like, what is the actual definition of accountability and authority? Um, so authority is the power to influence or command thought, opinion, or behavior, and then accountability is an obligation or willingness to accept responsibility or to account for one's action. So I'm going to tell you a little story. So it's kind of embarrassing. So this is, this is going to be funny. Um, so I went for some reason. Okay. So I was a third grader. So imagine a third grade Tyler. Um, whatever, however you want to imagine that. Scary. Um, so I, for some reason, one day, I was on a playground and obviously there was one day that I thought it'd be a great idea to throw a rock at someone. You know, it's, I know, guys, I know. I was horrible as a, as a nine-year-old. Um, but it wasn't, it, and it wasn't like a, oh, yeah, let me just chunk one at them. It's like, it's like yay. <laughs> and it was just like, let's see where it lands. And it hit somebody, obviously. And obviously, they told the teacher. The teacher came to me, and I was held accountable. So that authority came to me to help me, hold me something that I was accountable for. And so sometimes with this, like, we get kind of, like, apprehensive. We get kind of nervous to, like, approach authority sometimes. Like, it can get, feel kind of, like, weird or awkward. Um, something else I think about is, raise your hand if you're driving right now. 86% of you. Um, so basically, when, when I first started driving, I wasn't exactly the best driver at all. And, and some of you were like, I'm the best driver ever. And it's like, in a few years, you'll be like, no, I wasn't. Um, but so, like, I got, I got in two wrecks, and I got in a speeding ticket my first, like, I think year and a half of driving, which is, you know, fun living on the edge, you know, whatever that means. Um, but so, but the thing is, is I was held accountable. Like, I got tickets and stuff like that, but obviously because I was held accountable for me being dumb, okay, which is, like, that's going to happen. Like, um, but I, it always, like, tends to make this tension of like this, this interesting relationship we have with authority, which is like, I want to approach you, but I don't know how to. I don't know what to say to you. Do you like tipping your toes around a little bit? And it's like, I don't really know what to do. Um, so to continue, to continue in this, the passage of, of scripture that I want to dive into tonight um, comes out of Luke 15. And um, so some of you, if, you, if you've grown up in church and stuff like that, you probably have heard this passage before. Um, this is a passage of scripture that, um, that I've heard multiple times before. Um, it's the story of the prodigal son. 
So if you look at the top of, of chapter 15, um, Jesus said that he's talking to sinners and tax collector. Who are sinners? Us. Boom. The other, the other part of it is there's tax collectors. So the tax collectors are literally the lowest of the low in Jewish culture. Like they were known as people that um, were betrayers of their people. So they were like, like this was like the lowest of low people. So Jesus is sharing this message to them, sinners like us and people who've been outcast, just like us. Um, so starting in verse 11 um, of chapter 15 of Luke, um, it says to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons and the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he was wasted. He wasted all his money on, in, in wild living. About that time, his money ran out and a great famine swept over the, the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him to, into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So to start with, there's a younger son who basically took his father's money that he, that he wanted to get from his father and basically just took it. And he spent it. And if you look down even further in the passage, um, he uses the money on prostitution. That's what he uses the money for. So it's like he wastes, he wastes his money on something that's not gonna give him any happiness or value. Um, and then continuing forward, he became broke. He became broke and he was hungry. Just sounds like a college student, okay? Like broke and hungry. Um, but continuously, it, but what's interesting is um, even further, it talks about how um, the man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. So I looked up what these are because I was just curious, you know. So they're called carob pods and they're fruit that you use to feed donkeys, pigs, and horses. Doesn't that sound just lovely? Um, I for sure would not want that personally. Um, but what's, what's interesting, even in the, even as you're looking in it, um, the son neglected the authority and accountability of his father and ran off and spent all of his money. So he neglected the authority and he left it like his father, the comfort of his father and went to do his own thing. Now I know a lot of you people, a lot of y'all are in a stage of your life where you're like, I'm just ready to get out of the house. Like I'm just ready to be done. I'm ready to no longer live with my parents. I'm ready to peace out. Like we're done. But the thing is, is we sometimes have this mindset, but the only reason and the root of that is because we don't want any more authority and accountability over us when it's a very, very healthy thing and leaving that and going to a different college is just a little, it's just a little nugget of wisdom for you is leaving a college to, just because you don't wanna be around authority and accountability, that's not healthy at all. It's not healthy. And you're gonna have a rude awakening because I've, I've seen people have that and I've had that before. Um, and so continuing forward in verse 17, it says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants having food enough to spare, and here I am dying for hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was Still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. His fa he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. 
His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father um, said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this, for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and now he's found. So the party began. So this is, this is interesting because you see the son who's been broken and who is breaking down. This, this dude's disgusting. This dude has been with pigs. Like he has this idea in his head that he's gonna approach the father and he, it's gonna be approached and he's gonna be like apprehensive and he's gonna instead want him to, him to be a servant. Like you can literally see the son's like mindset in this moment. Like he's lost all of his, his idea of what identity is and it's been stripped from him and now he's going hoping that he'll at least be a servant. Um, the son expected to be rejected because he was, but he rejected his uh, father's authority, but he was embraced, clothed, and fed. Then finishing off in verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed a fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by, by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had, cel- we, had to, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and now has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So usually in this story, it, and it's used so powerfully and used so beautifully is we usually take a look at the, at the son in this story very, very closely because it represents us like we're dirty, rotten sinners, but um, God welcomes us back into his family. Um, and that it just shows the heart of, it just shows the love of God and just how he embraces us as sons and daughters. But the real character I wanna focus on here is I wanna focus on God the Father. Now, when I say that, that might, that might either trigger something in you or you might have a certain view of who your father is so if, or you might have a certain view of what God is as God the Father. So I wanna ask you is just to lean into this and just listen to this and listen to who your heavenly Father is. A, a few questions that, that I, I think I would like to ask is how have you viewed God the Father? How have you viewed God as authority? And how do, you, how do we view approaching the Father? The first, thing, the first thing I really wanna point out here is you are not a slave, you are a son and daughter. In the beginning of this, you literally see the son is literally getting ready to, to come back to his father and, says, and, said, and Louis said, um, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Like, like I was saying earlier, like he's lost complete thought of who, what, who he was as a son, a son of God. And he's like walking into this with shame and guilt. And I think that's sometimes how we approach him sometimes is we approach him like we're not gonna be received. 
The way that um, I love that Todd described it in on All In one time was the distant grandfather. Like sometimes we view God as this distant grandfather. Like he's there, like we know he's there and we know he's powerful and we know that, but like we're, we can't approach him or, you know, or it's like, it's, if we do, it's weird. Um, just like psychologically and emotionally, it's just, it's strange to approach God the Father. Um, something else I want to I point out is we become a slave to our own desires, expectations, and assumptions. And so a question I want to ask is, is why are we living like a slave when our Father has embraced us? And it's kind of like, will, will you be a slave to your own desires or wants, or will you lay them down at the feet of your Father? The second thing I want to point out is, your father loves you enough not to leave you the way you were. What I absolutely love about this passage is, is verse 20, 22. It says, but his father said to hit the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Like, he... First, he, he just welcomes him. He embraces him in the dirtiness of who he is. But then he takes off his old garments and, t- and puts on him the finest robe and puts in a ring on it. If you look even further in verse 23, he kills the, the calf that he was fattening. Like, and he fed him. And so sometimes we, we like to have this idea. And what I love this. I love that Todd mentioned this a few weeks ago about individualism. Like we want to... We want to create ourselves, right? Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Like there is an image of God that, that he has placed in every single one of us. And he wants to transform us into that image that he's created for you and I. And he loves us enough not to leave us the way that we were in our sinful broken selves. That's powerful. It's letting the Father tell us who we are. It's this idea of receiving identity from the Father. And the last thing I really want to hit on here was at, the, at his table, we have everything we need. I want to go back to the older brother for just a moment. In the, the way that he speaks to his father in verse 29, it says, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. So that's kind of like how we have that mindset as Christians sometimes, is that especially as followers of Jesus, if, you, if you've grown up in church and you've done that stuff, you feel like all you have to do is do it's like, boom, boom, boom. I have to go to church. I have to go do this. I have to go serve here. I have to go do this. And so it becomes this whole big thing. And you're, then you become anxious and you become tired. And you're like, the Christian life is, is supposed to be so easy. It's like, ooh. And like, you're exhausted. Like, you're so tired. Um, and we lose like the joy of our salvation. But what I love what the father um, says, how he responds to his older son. It says, look to your son. You have stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. It's kind of like you see that new follower of Jesus who just got saved and you see, or you see someone who's just really on fire with the Lord. I bet you can think about somebody in your life who is just always on fire for the Lord. But it's all about proximity. Like we think that we have to do all these things. We just have to go, 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 go in order to get closer with the Father, but that's not what he designed us for. 
What I love, um, Paul Richardson um, preached one time and he said that we're not professional Christians. That doesn't exist. He's not our manager, okay? He's our father. And like, this just changes everything. Like you are not reporting to a boss. You're being embraced by your father. But that is also like, the way that you view that. And see, and um, sometimes we're like, why, like God feels so distant to me. Like, oh my gosh, like he's just, he's so distant from me. Oh my gosh. But like, the thing is, it's because his love is sufficient and because his love is great. In James 4, 4, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He didn't go anywhere. We're the ones who left. In Hebrews 4, 16, it says, let us then um, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace and that we may receive mercy and find Grace to help in our time of need. The main point is we are different because we are able to welcome authority and accountability with our Father. And something that I want to to talk about here is so I have this table right here. And a lot of the times we just do this. We just like, we're running by the table. We're like, all right, it's cool, whatever. Like we don't want to sit down for a second. We're always just like, I need to do this for the Lord. I need to do this for God, blah, 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 blah. Like, like that's good. Those are good intentions. Like, those are great things to think about. But that's not what he's designed you for. And you can't welcome authority and accountability when you're constantly walking by the table that he has set for you. Because we're constantly like, because we're constantly thinking that you need to do it your own way or whatever. You need to do your own thing. But because he's a father, like, you can sit with your father. But that requires you to sit down in the chair with him. There's a table that, has been, that is set for you every single day and it is your choice to sit in the chair with him. And he welcomes you, it welcomes it into you. The amount of times that I've sat at a table with him and I've just poured out my heart and it's not pretty. It's included dark thoughts. It included anxiety. It's included so many different things. But it requires humility to just sit with your father because like, I mean, it's not like, he, it's not like this where he's standing above you. He's sitting with you eye to eye, looking at you, looking at you in the eyes with the, with proud that you're his son and you're his daughter. There's a passage of scripture that, oh, whoops, oopsie, um, that, um, that just changed my life completely. And it changed my life because I, I preached on this, this passage four years ago. And I preached it at a time that I I was not living in my sonship. I was living in slavery. I preached on this and I, I preached how, how, how much like Jesus loves you and stuff like that and it was great. But the thing is, it's like, but I did not receive the love from the father. I did not, I w- I did not let myself be embraced by him. And being embraced is scary. Intimacy is scary. Being in proximity with somebody is very scary because that means you have to let your walls down. But the father welcomes you and he's not an authority that's like, that's like pushing you back and is like, no, I'll deal with you later. He's like, no, come and have a seat. Let's sit, let's talk. It's been a while. Or hey, good to see you again this morning. Or hey, I, I missed you, man, I missed you. But he's not, looking, he's not looking at you and is upset with you. He's looking at you because he loves you. And there's some things that you're gonna talk to him about that he's gonna correct. Why? Because he's a loving father. That's what good parents do, period. Um, yeah, um, but um, so there's the passage of scripture I wanna read over you is something that I want you to, re, to just receive and to just really just let this, just to go over your soul. 
Because this is something that I refuse to not do. So I want you to be a favor. If you can just close your eyes, and I'm gonna read this passage, and I want you to just really just let this, this passage just sink into your soul. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green, in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He, give, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Nobody, no, there's nothing that can love you like he can. No matter how far you try to go away from his authority, he wants to talk with you because he loves you. He wants to sit with you. There's, there's, I bet there's moments where you've been so ashamed of the things that you've done, but the Father wants to sit with you and meet with you where you are. He's not ashamed of you. He's not afraid of you. You're his kid. You're his kid. But even in this passage, the top of this passage, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You don't lack peace. You don't lack identity. You don't lack love. You have real, genuine connection with a tender-hearted, loving, manly father who loves you. So I, I genuinely just want to, I, all I want to do is just pray over everybody in the room. And even further, like, I want to encourage you. We're going to go back into this song. And what I want to encourage you to do is to just sit if you need to go to a wall over the room and just sit down next to the wall by yourself, if you want to go in the room and just sit, go do it. Because the Father's been waiting for you. He's been waiting for you. And sit in confidence that he's looking at you eye to eye. He's not looking down on you. He's looking at you eye to eye. So respond in that way embrace the authority and the accountability that the Father wants to give you. Embrace it. Let's pray. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you love your kids, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you see your kids just like what this passage says, Lord, there are some students in here that are anxious. But because they're a son of you, Lord, they don't lack peace, Lord. You're, you, you give us peace. God, there are people here struggling with their identity. God, I pray that because, Lord, they're your son and daughter, Lord, that they will receive identity from you, Father, and not from anybody else. There's some people who've been captive by depression and anger. 
I pray, Lord, that they will just lay that at your feet in the name of Jesus. And I pray that they will be able to walk in confidence as a son and daughter, not as a slave, not as an employee, but as a son or daughter. And I pray for anybody in here who has never accepted their sonship or their daughtership into the family of God. I wanna encourage you that if you're feeling this stirring in your heart to talk to your small group leader and to have that conversation, have that real honest conversation with them. But for all of us, may we just sit, Lord, may we just sit in your presence, God, because where your presence is, there is freedom. Where your spirit is, there is freedom, Lord. So Lord, we're asking you to come. Redeem us, Lord. Jesus, thank you for who you are. And all this is in your name, in Jesus' name, amen.